Those of us who have had children, we've asked very often to them, so what would you like to do when you are old? And we hear all sorts of answers, right? From policemen, which some of us are like, oh, Lord, please no. But we love policemen, right? And we need them around. Or some of them would be as brave as to say, I want to be a fireman. Well, more than anything, because they want to ride the fire truck, right? It's not really that, that altruistic. It's more because they want to ride the fire truck. And because maybe they're, they like the danger of it. But how many of us have heard one of our children, either is a boy or a girl, to say, I want to be a servant. I want to be a slave. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that answer? The truth is that the Lord Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, exalted from eternity past. At the moment that he became a man, the Bible describes him not only as taking human flesh, but the Bible describes him as coming down from heaven, lowering himself, becoming a man, taking even more steps down, becoming a servant, becoming a servant that died, but not any kind of death, but dying on a cross. The most cruel, horrendous death back in Roman times. I don't know if we really resonate with that. I don't know if we really understand what is that the Bible is trying to describe to us. What is that Paul is trying to describe to us? That the second person of the Trinity, God himself, became a slave to die for you and for me. I don't know if we really get that, if we could embrace that and believe it wholeheartedly. And then after that, after believing that, after understanding that, then the Lord says, have you seen what I've done? I'm expecting you to do the same for your brothers, for your sisters, for your family, for your church, for your communities, for your neighbors. Do we get that? It's not going to be an easy task. It's a task that would take us to the cross, to suffering maybe. But it's for his honor and for his glory. So I invite you to join me in this journey that we're going to take today. In the word of God. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us today to really understand what it is to be a servant. To serve in love our communities, but ourselves, uh, uh, each other here, Lord. We want to do it because you deserve it. Because that's the calling you have made on us. And we want to be obedient and humble like your son was when he was with us. We thank you for this. And we pray that you would help us to understand and to imitate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For in his name we pray. Amen. In, in, Mark, in Mark 10, 45, we read the following. And probably you're very familiar with it. So um, the disciples are trying in, in the context. And even in, in, Math, in Ma Matthew 25, 25, we read that they're trying to get the highest position available next to the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that even two of them, brothers, two siblings, come to him and say, Father, uh, 
Jesus, could you help us? Could you give us the, the, the places that are the most important in your kingdom? We want to be seated at your right side and at your left side. And even the Lord says, it is not for me to give it to you, but you know, you're not even, no, you don't know what you're asking. And he says here in, in Mark 10, 45, the reason why he is saying that. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord himself is saying, I came to serve. Jesus came to serve. That's the first point today that if we understand that the Lord, could we imagine, according to the scripture in, in, in Colossians 1, 15, 16, and 17, it, it proves, it claims that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator of everything. He created everything. And yet, now he is in the word of God in Mark 10 saying that even though he's been adored and worshipped by angels from eternity past, Forever. And he deserves that, that adoration. He deserves that honor. He deserves our lives to be given to him as an adoration, as worship. That even though he's worshiped forever and ever, he took upon himself flesh. He became and dwelt among us. The word there in the Bible is tabernáculo. He pitched his tent among us. He lived with us. He didn't come just to Washington, D.C. and be there far from reality, far from us. He came to live among us, with us, to share bread with us. That's what we are doing, we're trying to do. This blessed series in the most blessed uh, summer ever. And that's what we started talking about. Uh, first of all, begin with prayer, right? Begin with prayer. That's what we've been praying for our neighbors. And we've been writing in our notes. In Spanish, we've been doing the Operación Andres, right? The five names that we're praying for, five people that we're praying for, so that we're going to invite them later on to church. We begin with prayer. And I hope that you've been doing the same in your, in your notes. Then we listen with care. We invite them over. We probably go to the fences and try to strike a conversation with them. Normal conversation. And from that, we try to listen with care so that at the right moment, we can begin to explain to them the gospel if it's possible. Then we eat together. We invite them over. We try to share life, share lunch, share stories. We've talked about now other things that we could do with them, which is serve in love. Serve them. So, but we're not going to serve them if we haven't learned to serve one another here, if we have not learned to serve one another in our families. So this is where we need to begin, with our families, with our church, and then we could go out, and then we could serve our communities. They need it. And it, I was so blessed uh, a year ago, not by Harvey, but by the opportunities that Harvey brought to us, right? And I don't know about you, but up to that point, the Spanish congregation, we had been kind of steady, growing little by little. But ever since Harvey came upon Katie and Houston and all this area, we've been visited by so many people because Harvey provided us with a lot of opportunities. But many of that, a lot of those opportunities came. You know why? 
Because the church, not only Redeemer, but all the churches around responded to the need. And that's what is magnificent. When we become the incarnate word of God to the people that are around us. When we are able to just lift our side and see that there's fields out there that are needing to hear the word of God. But not only to hear the word of God, but to see somebody reaching out to them just like Jesus Christ did, to, did the same for us. He came to serve. Father, forgive me because I don't get it. I don't get that he is the one that deserves worship and adoration. And he became, he came here. He wore sandals. He, he walked through dirty roads. Because he loves us. Because he loves you. And that's what we are to, we're now to do. That's what we are going to talk a lot about, serving love. I would love for you to join me in going to Philippians chapter 2. Because Paul does a much better job than I'm trying to do. Explaining what it is for the Lord Jesus Christ to step down from heaven. Becoming a man. Becoming a servant. A servant that died on the cross for me. So Jesus came to serve. And now, according to Philippians uh, 2, verse 5, if you join me, this is what it says. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in your, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus, is, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. We are to think like Christ. So he is in his throne. And they have a divine counsel. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And through the ages they decide that the only way that they could rescue men. Is by sending the second person of the Trinity. To come and become a man. Because he's going to die for us. And I cannot even imagine what went through his mind. But now, his mind is the one that we should have. What? Are you, are you serious, Lord? It has gotten really, it's been really difficult for me to get to my position in the job that I have. You know, I'm the CEO of Who Cares? And you're asking me to step down and, and, and help others? That doesn't sound very, very cool. But the Lord did it for us. And now he's asking us to have the same mind, the same mindset, the same thinking process that he has. What did he do? Christ was humble, is what it says here in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Much has been said about emptying himself. And, you know, I could give you a very theological answer to that. And it's true, the Lord Jesus Christ did not renounce to his glory. We see that when he goes up to the mountain and takes Peter, John, and Jacob with him. They go up and then in front of them, he transforms. And he radiates that glory that belongs to him. He never stopped being that glorious. But it's like when these lights, when if you were here, you know, I'm being blinded right now, but these lights, I feel like I'm going to get a, a, a tan. I should have wore some, uh, I don't know, some spray so that I would protect, and, and I would have a really good tan afterwards. But I wish that there was a dimmer, un potenciometro. That would dim the lights a little bit because I'm being blinded by this glory. How else could we perceive the Lord Jesus Christ if he wouldn't have dimmed his glory? The, the disciples for sure wouldn't have been able to walk with him. They would have been blinded constantly by his beauty, his radiance. But you know, it would take it as a little bit more, right? He never stopped being in control of all the universe. He couldn't renounce to that. So while he is walking on earth, while he is pulled in the arms of Mary, he's also in control of the universe. Could you grasp that? Could you understand that? It's too difficult for me to understand. But it's what the Lord of God says. It's what the word of God says to us. That the Lord became flesh. All in his humanity is wrapped the divinity. He, God, became man. Have you seen that uh, show uh, that is called Undercover Bus? I know you have. You're being too holy right now. But uh, uh, to admit that you watch TV and those kind of programs. But, you know, the whole, the whole premise of the, of the show is really simple. It's a big, big wig, some big yahoo in a big corporate world that, is, that tries to see how his uh, corporation is in manage. So he takes upon himself to become uh, one of the bottom workers, right? And they dye their hair or some of them put like a wig on top because they don't have any more hair after all the... Years they've spent making a lot of money. And then, after a while, uh, you know, they, they, they are supposed to be learning the ropes about their work and all that. And they're making a lot of mistakes. And then, finally, they are what? Revealed. They are, you know, all the people that they're walking with or working with. They're called into the office, right? And all of a sudden, they look at the boss and they're like, I know you. And at any moment, did that guy, did that boss stop having money? No, he was rich. At any moment, did he lost all his knowledge of the corporation? Absolutely not. Was he in control of his company while being humble? Absolutely. 
I thank the Lord because every once in a while there's those examples that, that make it so easy for us to understand. How is it that God, eternal, exalted, in control of everything, he became a baby, a become a man, a became a servant to die for you and for me. And now he's asking us to develop the same mindset so that we would understand what it's like to love others in a very practical way. He humble. He, being God, he became a man. Being man, he became a servant. It's important to say that the word servant here is not any other word than Dulos, slave, a bondservant. It is really interesting because if I would go around and I would say, hey, Tanner, tell me a couple of things. Uh, tell me two things that you think other parents tell their children that they need to do around the house. What would those be? Chores, yeah. What kind? Give me two. Take out the trash, right? Who's ever here have been said, could you please take out the trash? Number two, dishes. Oh. And God's people say, yuck, right? I don't like, I don't like doing dishes. I love eating, right? I'm really good at it. But when it comes to doing dishes, oh, my word, that really is not, I'm not qualified to do that. You know, I'm overqualified. Um, dear sisters, I'm not going to single anybody out because Tanner right now already is like, oh, man, why did I come to church today? So I'm not going to do that to you, ladies. But what would be two things that you wish your husband, maybe this is a question for a, for a woman whose husband is not here, right? So that, I don't, so that they don't have an argument, uh, some intense fellowship going back home but if any uh either a single mom or uh somebody whose husband is not here what would be two things that you wish your husband would do but doesn't come around dishes <laughs> oh same thing interesting what other things uh, <laughs> pick up the clothes please and then you know what? We are really good at basketball, right? Except that the hamper is right here. And for some reason, we shoot, and he has become short, like one feet short of it, right? And it stays right there. And what's the second part that happened? Oh, I miss. Man, what would be two dishes, two What's your favorite meal? Wouldn't it be awesome to get home right now? And once you get home, you see there's this beautiful, well, in my case, it's enchiladas verdes with some Mexican rice. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get home? And there it is, green enchiladas with Mexican rice. I don't know what's your favorite dish. Well, wouldn't it be awesome? Huh? That'll do. That'll do. 
Now, what, it would what would it take for us to get to that point where we do that, that Tanner said, that y'all said, without anybody telling us? Wouldn't that be awesome? That you wouldn't have to say anything and that people around, your children, your husband, your wife, that they would do things that are expected without you telling them or without us telling anybody that that's the expectation. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be good? Well, the Lord did that without us asking him to do it for us. And now he's asking us to have the same mind. But, you know, I have a to-do list. When I get home, I have a very nice to-do list in the fridge. I hate it. Because it never ends, right? It never ends. Every time that you, fin you think, oh, I've done a lot. I changed the light bulb. Yeah, it was there for two months, right? But finally, I got around to it. I changed the light bulb. If next time when I come back, there's another thing there. Now, it's something in the trash or not. There's something uh, outside, the gutter, whatever. That list never ends. Much like for you ladies, right? That list never ends. Taking care of the children, helping them with the homework, taking them to places. And then they get home and you have to clean up. And then finally, when you have probably five minutes to yourself, the husband gets home. And he has big expectations, right? Or as much like us. You know, we come in I-10, and there's all these guys, you know, driving around, and they have their big Mexican flag in the back, and they're just going around. and Or other people, and they're driving like crazy, and you are thinking, I just want to get home. I want to get in my cave, and I don't want to talk to anybody right now. And then the Lord shows you in the, in the scripture that we need to have this attitude that was also found in Jesus Christ, who being God, became a servant. And then you think, I should have stayed home. I knew he was going to put some guilt in my, in my conscience and in my heart. And, uh, you know, that's what God is asking us to do. That as women, we would give our lives to our family, for our family, serve them with humbleness and obedience. That as men, we would get home thinking, how could I serve my wife? You know, honey, you've been, with, you've been with the kids the whole day. You've been working as well. You know, why don't you take 30 minutes, go to the room, you know, take, take a shower or just relax, read a book. I'll deal with the kids. Let me tell you, I don't do that. <laughs> Hey, Becky, you're out of this right now. I don't do it, but you know what? Through the word of God, the Lord is convicting me right now that I should do it. Maybe the Lord is convicting you, youth, of something as well. You know, um, my mom used to say something when she would go into my room and see my room a chaos, a mess. And they would, you know, she would go in and say, hey, when are you going to clean this mess? And I'll be very happy, you know, one day cleaning up everything and putting it in order and all that. And then I would come out of my room like expecting a big reward, right? And she would say, hey, you don't get points for cleaning up your own mess. 
And it's true. We don't get points for doing what God is expecting us to do. He did it. Who are you not to do it? Who do you think, who do we think we are to think that we are loftiest, more worthy of not doing it? Christ was obedient. So he wasn't only humble, becoming a servant, becoming man, but he was also obedient because in his humanity, he died. What would it be like to be underneath that cross and hear him say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Dios mío, Dios mío, ¿por qué me has abandonado? My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? What would it be like to have heard the creator of the universe in such predicament, in such condition? And now he's asking me to do the same? I don't know that I'm capable of doing that, Lord. Well, that's where, that's where it becomes a difficult thing, right? Because up to this point, it's been all really good thoughts, right? Very good opinions, very good ideas. Oh, Antonio, thank you so much. That's been very good. It's a lot of application. Thank you so much. But if we don't do it, then, then what's the point of this message? We could talk about reaching out to our, to our neighbors. We could talk about a lot of that. But the reality is, are we going to do it? Are we going to be obedient and really pray for them? And really listen to them? And really invite them to share a meal with us? So that we could become their servants somehow and then share our story, which is what we're going to be listening to next week. And how that acrostic, a bless, is complete. So he became obedient. He died, but not on any kind of death. He's, in his death, he suffered the cross. You know, that's why there's that distinction in that passage. Because as he became a man, dying, dying on a cross. That's how he would read in the Greek. He makes that distinction. He didn't die. He didn't only die at an old age. He died on the cross. To the point of dying the most horrible death available in that time. And now he's asking me now, you know, how many people say, you know, when, when we are, uh, yesterday we had a, um, a wedding here. And it's beautiful to hear people say, right? Oh, I'll give my life for you. Yeah, but we don't want to clean the dishes, right? Oh, I'll give my life to you. Hey, but don't ask me to take you to the mall. Go with the kids. You know what it's like to go with the mall, to the mall with the kids? God bless him, right? So, he suffered the cross. What are we willing to suffer for the Lord? Christ awaited the reward. You know, he was, he was, he was given a position, a name above all names. People are to submit to him. Submission. Every knee should bow. And he's going to be given exaltation. Exaltation that he deserved before and that he's going to deserve even more because he rescued us. Now we all could come before him and worship him because of what he did for us. Every tongue confess. He is Lord. 
He is Lord. He has risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he Lord? If he is Lord, where is the obedience? If he is Lord, how are we submitting to his authority every single day of our lives? He got a position, name of all names, submission. We all should bow to him right now or later. And we should exalt him right now or later. Isn't it beautiful that we get to choose to worship him, to submit to him, to exalt him? But there will be a time in the future when every knee shall bow, every man and woman created, that are going to bow before, before him. And some of us are going to be, you are Lord, you are Lord. And others will be, he is Lord. He was Lord and I was blind. And we had the opportunity to show them that he is Lord. And yet we were quiet. We had them as our, as our neighbors and we didn't even know their names. We had them as our neighbors for five years and we have never invited them. To share a meal with us. I don't let my kids play with them. Because you know. They look different. They look like. They don't belong. They speak a different language. Their heads are covered. They might be terrorists. My brother. In, my brother-in-law. Gabriel. He led me to the Lord. And he works for. A school around here, the majority of people there are from Turkish descent. And about three years ago, they decided to invite and make a halal meat, a halal meal, you know, in Thanksgiving. Meaning they were going to be very careful how they're going to prepare everything so that they could invite people from Muslim background and invite them on Thanksgiving, their neighbors, their workers, their co-workers, to share the most important meal, I believe, that in America we have. It's my favorite celebration, by the way. More than Christmas, more than any other, more than my own birthday, which, let me tell you, is important to me. But Thanksgiving is more important to me than any other celebration. What it would be like, what it would take for us to invite people that don't look like us over Thanksgiving. Wow, but Antonio, that's, you know, that's a family celebration. Yeah, but wouldn't it be wonderful to invite other people so that they could see the Lord that humbled himself, that came to die for their sins, and that they would finally see what Christians are like. Not the ones that they see on TV, but the ones that they have as neighbors. I wonder what, it would, be, what would, it, would it be like. Because we are to act like Christ then. Philippians 2, 3 to 5 says the, says the the following, 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We are to act like Christ. You know, we believe, according to um, the exegesis of what's going on, that there was a problem between two ladies, two Christian ladies in, Phili in Philippi. We don't, we didn't, we're never told what the problem was, but what we believe is that this was causing such conflict in the church that it was causing division. Their names are given in uh, Philippians 4.2. It says, I entreat Iwodia and I entreat Synthiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask also, this is true compassion. We don't know what it was. We don't know what was the problem. It is my theory that they were uh, competing to know which one was the worst name in church. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't know. That's not, I've never heard any, anybody that could confirm that theory that I have. Nonetheless, what was going on is this, the situation between two women had become so big, so extrapolated that it was causing division within the church. And that's why Christ is saying, have this mind. You become the servant. Don't expect others to serve you. You become the servant because I did it. And I'm expecting you to do it. We are to act like Christ. Now, uh, uh, that's the problem, right? There's no room for pride, humility. There's no room for passivity. We need to be obedient. They say that about 100 years ago, a little bit more maybe, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, invited a young fella from the institute that they were making to preach. Now, there were thousands of people there, and this guy felt really, wow. I guess I'm it, right? They're inviting me to preach in front of that big crowd. And they, they say, you know, uh, Spurgeon wrote in his memoir, the guy went up really cocky and arrogant. And he began to preach. And oh, he started praying. And his prayer was beautiful. And then little by little, the crowd started looking around and thinking about what they were going to eat, like much like you right now. Is it Burger King or are we going to go here or there, whatever. So they start, he started losing the connection with the people. And after 15 minutes, it was evident that nobody was listening to him. And then he came kind of humbled and humiliated, and he started coming down, and he felt pretty bad, and he sat down next to Spurgeon, and he put, Spurgeon put his hand in his shoulder and said, if you would have gone up the way you came down, maybe the Lord would have heard you. If you would have come up with humility instead of with pride, then you would have come down knowing that you have exalted the Lord Jesus Christ for what you did. Humility is going to take us a long distance, right? But the humility is the one that he lived 
God becoming a man that became a servant that died on the cross for you and for me. But there's no room for passivity. We need to be obedient. We need to put this faith to work. We need to make it more practical, right? I, Antonio, probably you, didn't, you really didn't do a good job describing what the kenosis of God is, the kenosis of Christ, him emptying himself. He didn't stop becoming God. He didn't stop being God. He just took upon flesh and the limitations of flesh. But now he's asking us to have the same mindset. So I want to give you three applications, and then I'll be closing. Three practical applications in our family, in your family, and they're written in your, in your paper. What act of service could I do this week for my family without anybody telling me? Why don't you write it down there? You know, finally, that light bulb is going to be changed. Finally, that garage is going to be clean. Finally, a note of thank you is going to be given. Wouldn't it be awesome? Finally, we're going to be able to see rooms clean uh, from our teenagers. Because we are hoping that they will do that act of service without anybody telling them. How about for our community, for our neighbors? What act of service could I do to show my neighbors Christ's love? You know, they will see our deeds and they will glorify the Lord who is in heaven. Are there any elders, senior citizens, you know, living near you that probably need something? I'm, a, I'm telling you, probably there's something that you could do in those homes, changing their light bulbs, taking their trash away, Every week. Wouldn't it be awesome to do something like that? To serve our community in practical ways. To take the, the, their dogs outside and walk with them, since some of them might not even be able to walk with them anymore. How about to our, for our church? I'm going to take the last minute in that. How could I serve my brothers and sisters in Christ more? Better? Or with a better attitude. I, I want to stop right now and say to all of you, to all of you that do something for Redeemer, thank you so much. You know, you might not hear from us very often. You might not hear from the staff, from the elders. But we really value what you guys do. Without you, the volunteers, this church, it would be very difficult to advance. We need you. We desperately need you. And some of you might not even know that there's places where you could serve. We need you. Maybe if I was from a different um, denomination, I would say to you, turn to your, to your right and tell to your neighbor, you need me. Maybe you would say to the left, I need you. We all here need each other. I need you. Mitch needs you. Hey, but you know what? You need us. Isn't it beautiful how the Lord has made this beautiful unity among us? Where could you serve? <laughs> Get in line and we'll give you a long list of things that you could do.
Children is number one. RSM, which is our Redeemer Student Ministry, it's another one there. People that would come and help us, even changing light bulbs. We need you. But you know what? More than anything, we need your prayers. We need your fellowship. We need to serve one another. Because we need to develop the mind of Christ. And I cannot serve myself. Service is something that I could do only to you. That's the service that God is asking and demanding from us. I need to serve you and you need to serve us, others. Let's bow our heads. Father, we recognize that sometimes pride in our hearts prevents us from doing what you're expecting us to do. But it is for you, Lord. It's because we want to follow your example, oh, Jesus Christ, that came down to earth to serve us by dying on the cross, by showing what it's like to love one another in practical ways. I pray for every husband here, Father, that you would help all of us to understand what it is like to lay down our lives for our wives and for our children. I pray for every woman right here, Lord, every wife and mother, that you would help them, Father, to understand what it's like to lay their lives even more for your glory, for your honor, not only for their families, but for the community, for our church. I pray for every single youth that is here, Lord, that they would fall in love with you, not only because they come to church because their parents uh, force them to come. I pray that the faith would become real for them. That they would not only come because of their parents' faith, but because of their own faith. And believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that they would learn what it's like to serve you out of love by serving the community, the church, and the family. I pray for the children, Father, that they even know what it's like to serve. That they would understand why mommy and daddy have to get, home, get to church early or help other people in the community. Because we love you, Lord. Oh, Father, help us to glorify you joyfully by following Christ and helping others do the same by serving them. Forth in Jesus' name we pray.